Section thirty four of the Mary Frances Storybook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. The Mary Frances Storybook by Jane Eyre Fryer. The Man Without a Country once there was a man a young officer in the united states army who did a dreadful thing he cursed his native country he pretended for a while that he did not care when he was punished but in the end he was very very sorry because he wore his uniform without the official buttons the sailors on the ships on which he was imprisoned called him plain buttons his name was philip nolan lieutenant nolan was as fine a young officer as there was in the legion of the west as the western division of the united states army was called in those early days one hundred years ago at the time the mississippi valley was the far west to most people and seemed a very distant land indeed there were a number of forts along the river and nolan was stationed in one of these nolan's idol was the brilliant and dashing aaron burr who visited the fort several times between eighteen o five and eighteen o seven he walked and talked with nolan and obtained a very strong influence over him he got nolan to take him out in his skiff and show him something of the great river and the plans for the new post and by the time burr's visit was over nolan was enlisted body and soul in burr's disloyal schemes from then on though he did not yet know it nolan lived as a man without a country burr soon got into trouble with the government and some of his friends were tried for treason nolan among them it became very plain during the trial that nolan would do anything burr told him that he would obey burr far quicker than his country in spite of his oath as an officer of the army so when colonel morgan who was president of the court asked nolan at the close of the trial whether he wished to say anything to show that he had always been faithful to the united states he cried out in a fit of frenzy curse the united states i wish i may never hear of the united states again probably he did not realize how the words would shock old colonel morgan and the other members of the court half the officers who sat with him had served through the revolutionary war and had risked their lives not to say their necks cheerfully and loyally for the country which nolan so lightly cursed in his madness it may be said for nolan that he had grown up in the west of those days then an almost unknown country he had been educated on a plantation where the most welcome guests were spanish officers and french merchants from orleans who to say the least were unfriendly to the united states he had spent half his youth with an older brother 
hunting horses in texas which was not then a part of the united states in a word the united states meant almost nothing to him yet there was little excuse for nolan he had sworn on his faith as a christian to be true to the united states it was the united states which gave him the uniform he wore and the sword by his side nay burr cared nothing for poor nolan but it picked him out to aid him in his wicked plots only because of the uniform he wore of course nolan did not know this and it did not excuse him but it does partly explain why he cursed his country and wished that he might never hear her name again he never did hear her name but once again from the moment september twenty third eighteen o seven till the day he died may eleventh eighteen sixty three he never heard her name again for that half century and more he was a man without a country colonel morgan as you may suppose was terribly shocked if nolan had compared george washington to benedict arnold or had cried god save king george morgan would not have felt worse he called the court into his private room and returned in fifteen minutes with a face white as a sheet to say prisoner hear the sentence of the court the court decides subject to the approval of the president that you never hear the name of the united states again nolan laughed but nobody else laughed the whole room was hushed dead as night for a minute then colonel morgan added mr marshall take the prisoner to orleans in an armed boat and deliver him to the naval commander there request him to order that no one shall mention the united states to the prisoner while he is on board ship colonel morgan himself went to washington and president jefferson approved the sentence so a plan was formed to keep nolan constantly at sea far from his own country the ships of our navy took few long cruises then but one ship was directed to carry the prisoner as far away as it was going then transfer him to another vessel before it sailed for home he was to be confined only so far as necessary to prevent his escape and to make it certain that he never saw or heard of his country again as soon as a vessel on which nolan sailed was homeward bound nolan was transferred to an outward bound vessel for another cruise at first he made light of it but in time he learned something he had not thought of perhaps that there was no going home for him even to a prison there were some twenty such transfers which took him all over the world but which kept him all his life at least some hundred miles from the country he had hoped he might never hear of again nolan wore his uniform but with plain buttons he always had a sentry before his door but the men were as good to him as his sentence permitted no mess wanted to have him with them too steadily because they could never talk about home matters when he was present 
more than half the talk men liked to have at sea they took turns inviting him to dinner and the captain always asked him on mondays he could have any books or papers not printed in america newspapers having any mention of america had to be gone over and the allusions cut out he used to join the men as they were reading on deck and take his turn in reading aloud once they were cruising around the cape of good hope somebody got hold of scott's lay of the last minstrel which was then new and famous nolan was reading to the others when he came to this passage breathes there the man with soul so dead who never to himself hath said this is my own my native land whose heart hath ne'er within him burned as home his footsteps he hath turned from wandering on a foreign strand if such there breathe go mark him well for him no minstrel raptures swell high though his titles proud his name boundless his wealth as wish can claim despite those titles power and pelth the wrench consecrated all in self here the poor fellow choked and could not go on but started up and flung the book into the sea and fled to his stateroom it was two months before he dared join the men again there was a change in nolan after this he never read aloud again unless it was the bible or shakespeare or something else he was sure of he was always shy afterwards and very seldom spoke unless spoken to except to a very few friends he generally had the nervous tired look of a heart-wounded man sometimes he tried to trap people into mentioning his country but he never succeeded his sentence was too well known among the men who had him in charge there was only one day on which perhaps he was really happy except when he knew his lonely life was closing once during the war of eighteen twelve the ship on which he was staying had a fight with an english frigate a round shot from the enemy entered one of the ports and killed the officer of the gun himself and many of the gun's crew now you may say what you choose about courage but that is not a nice thing to see but as the men who were not killed picked themselves up and they and the surgeon's people were carrying off the bodies there appeared nolan in his shirt sleeves with the rammer in his hand and just as if he had been the officer told them off with authority who should go to the cockpit with the wounded men who should stay with him perfectly cheerily and with that way which makes men feel sure all is right and is going to be all right and he finished loading the gun with his own hands aimed it and bade the men fire and there he stayed captain of that gun keeping those fellows in spirits till the enemy struck sitting on the carriage while the gun was cooling though he was exposed all the time 
showing them easier ways to handle heavy shot making the raw hands laugh at their own blunders and when the gun cooled again getting it loaded and fired twice as often as any other gun on the ship the commodore walked forward by way of encouraging the men and nolan touched his hat and said i am showing them how we do this in the artillery sir i see you are and i thank you sir the commodore said and i shall never forget this day sir and you never shall sir and after the whole thing was over and he had the englishman's sword in the midst of the state and ceremony of the quarter-deck he said where is mr nolan ask mr nolan to come here and where nolan came he said mr nolan we are all very grateful to you you are one of us to-day you will be named in the dispatches and then the commodore took off his own sword of ceremony and gave it to nolan and made him put it on nolan cried like a baby and well he might he had not worn a sword since that infernal day at four adams but always afterwards on occasions of ceremony he wore that quaint old french sword of the commodore's the commodore did mention him in the dispatches and asked that he might be pardoned he wrote a special letter to the secretary of war but nothing ever came of it at another time nolan went with a young officer named vaughan to overhaul a dirty little schooner which had slaves on board nolan was the only one who could speak portuguese the language used by the slaves there were but a few of the negroes vaughan had their handcuffs and ankle cuffs knocked off and put these on the rascals of the schooner's crew then nolan told the blacks that they were free and that vaughan would take them to cape palmas now cape palmas was a long way from their native land and they said not palmas take us home take us to our own country take us to our own picnickies and our own women one complained that he had not heard from home for more than six months it was terribly hard for nolan but he translated these speeches and told the negroes vaughan's answer in some fashion tell them yes 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 vaughan said tell them they shall go to the mountains of the moon if they will if i sail the schooner through the great white desert they shall go home and they all fell to kissing nolan and wanted to rub his nose with theirs as they were being rowed back to the ship he lay in the stern sheets and said to a young midshipman of whom he was very fond youngster let that show you what it is to be without a family without a home and without a country and if you are ever tempted to say a word or, or do a thing that shall put a bar between you and your family your home and your country pray god in his mercy to take you at that instant home to his own heaven stick by your family boy forget that you have a self while you do everything for them 
think of your home boy write and send and talk about it let it be nearer and nearer to your thought the farther you have to travel from it and rush back to it when you are free as that poor black slave is doing now and for your country boy and the words rattled in his throat and for that flag and he pointed to the ship never dream a dream but of serving her as she blinds you through the service you carry through a thousand hells no matter what happens to you no matter who flatters you or abuses you never look at another flag never let a night pass but you pray god to bless that flag remember boy that behind all these men you have to do with behind officers and government and people even there is the country herself your country and that you belong to here as you belong to your own mother stand by her boy as you would stand by your mother if those devils there had got hold of her to-day and then nolan added almost in a whisper oh if anybody had said so to me when i was of your age years passed on and nolan's sentence was unrevoked though his friends had more than once asked for a pardon the end came when he had been upwards of fifty years at sea and he asked the ship's doctor for a visit from captain danforth whom he liked danforth tells us about nolan's last hours and calls him dear old nolan so we know his love was returned the officer saw what a little shrine poor nolan had made of his stateroom up above were the stars and stripes and round a portrait of washington he had painted a majestic eagle with lightnings blazing from his beak and his foot just clasping the whole globe which the wings overshadowed nolan said with a sad smile here you see i have a country over the foot of the bed was a great map of the united states drawn from memory which he had there to look upon as he lay in his berth quaint old names were on it in large letters indiana territory mississippi territory and louisiana territory danforth he said i know i am dying i cannot get home surely you will tell me something now stop stop do not speak till i say what i am sure you know that there is not in this ship that there is not in america god bless her a more loyal man than i there cannot be a man who loves the old flag or prays for it as i do there are thirty-four stars in it now danforth i thank god for that though i do not know what their names are there has never been one taken away i thank god for that but tell me something tell me everything danforth before i die captain danforth in writing about it afterwards says i felt like a monster that i had not told him everything before though obeying orders 
who was i that i should have been acting the tyrant all this time over this dear sainted old man who had expiated in his whole manhood's life the madness of a boy's treason mr nolan he said i will tell you everything you ask about then he told him the names of all the new states and drew them on the map he told him of the inventions the steamboats the railroads and telegraphs he tried to tell him all that had happened to the great and growing country in fifty years he told him about abraham lincoln who was then president except that he could not wound his friend by mentioning a word about the cruel civil war which was then raging nolan drank it in and enjoyed it more than we can tell after that he seemed to grow weary and said he would go to sleep he bent danforth down and kissed him and said look in my bible captain when i am gone danforth went away with no thought that this was the end but in an hour when the doctor went in gently he found nolan had breathed away his life with a smile they looked in his bible and there was a slip of paper at the place where he had marked the text they desire a country even a heavenly wherefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he hath prepared for them a city on this slip of paper he had written bury me in the sea it has been my home and i love it but will not some one set up a stone for my memory at fort adams or at orleans that my disgrace may not be more than i ought to bear say on it in memory of philip nolan lieutenant in the army of the united states he loved his country as no other man has loved her but no man deserved less at her hands end of section thirty four recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c